How's it going, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. On this episode, I'm going to be calling Keith. And Keith's actually been doing a lot of the editing for the new THP podcast channel on YouTube. Without him, the podcast channel wouldn't be possible. So if you guys haven't checked that out, I think it's a cool variation of what you're listening to here because you can actually watch us talking about whatever we're talking about. A lot of times we put footage over top of us talking and just helps it, I guess, have a little bit more context to it. If you want to check it out, there's a link in the description. But anyway, Keith and I are going to be talking about the buck that he shot this season. This was on a small piece of private land. And it's really cool because Keith has invested a ton of time helping the landowner reach his goals of eliminating invasive species and creating a more native habitat on one specific ridge. The other thing that I think is kind of funny is Keith lived on this ridge in a hammock for a whole summer. At the time he was in college and was trying to save money and was working every day for this landowner so he just took advantage of the situation and just created a little primitive campsite and called it home. We like to call that Keith's little stint of being homeless. But he ended up shooting an awesome buck. I know it was really rewarding for him and I think there's a lot to be learned from a hunting strategy standpoint but also the management side of things as well. Before we get into the podcast, though, I wanted to remind you guys that we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos are not censored. They're encouraged. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards, too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. The app's free and it's available in the App Store, or you can just check the description of this video and find a link there. All right, guys, let's get Keith on the line. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> we, uh, we got internet in this place for the first time in a really long time. It's like pretty wild. Maybe up to six months, huh? Yeah, you went from absolutely nothing to like pretty high speed. It's kind of kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I in the last year I've had uh, the acquisition of fiber optic internet, and it is the craziest thing that I've ever experienced. But yeah, we won't bore the people with that. I think what <laughs> we should do is get right into the story first, and then I think we talk about um, some of the. I guess things that you've learned by really managing that property and I think it's just a cool uh, situation so Keith mm-hmm. Keith's gonna tell the story of the buck that he shot this season which was on private land but I guess talk maybe one. real briefly about the land just so people have an idea of like what so they're not like mm-hmm. oh private I'm not listening <laughs> yeah exactly um, had a lot of coffee and so i'll try not to get ahead of myself here too much and i haven't really told the story extensively too much so i'll try to stay behind myself a little bit um <laughs> it's so, okay dude you're talking to the most long-winded character of all times so. <laughs> <laughs> which people probably know that at this point and i know you do yeah so this property pull these off a little bit this property that i so I, I met this person where I'm living at here in Southern Ohio in 2019. 
he just needed someone to work on his property just to help him with some stuff. I volunteered and he's an older guy. He has about a hundred acres and volunteered to just help him for a summer doing a lot of work for him, mostly around his house. And then he, I learned that he had this equip contract, which is a federal funding for invasive brush management um, for a 20 acre piece of his property. And basically just told him that I'm absolutely willing to do that. And I really like wanted to be a part of that project. He had had people come out and look at it and like people weren't getting back with him because it's 20 acres of just like completely infested, just old, old field. It was pastured in the sixties and it's just been growing back in like just, just some crazy, if you live in this region of the country, you kind of know what it probably looks like. But a lot of invasive. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of just like you couldn't even walk through it, like, except for in the winter, you'd try to go in there in the summer and it was just completely impassable, 20 acres of this real skinny ridgetop. Um, so in 20, early 2020, January, 2020, I started cutting into the ridge. Um, the first thing I did was just take the chainsaw and just run down the ridge and make several trail systems that I could run down. And then that summer I started doing like the actual Man brush management, which is just a lot of cutting and or spraying. And I've just been doing that for several years. Um, I'm taking a lot of before and afters and I hopefully we'll be able to mix those in um, to this podcast as, as it goes. But fast forward a couple of years and it's progressed quite a bit since then. And it's starting to see this actual restoration of like actual native plants and stuff coming back and deer activity is not that they weren't using it, but it, I mean, it was being used in a lot of different ways. Um, and now they're just using it as much more of a full ecosystem. And, it's, and like it's a been, full year. Yeah. Residence, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's been really, really cool watching. I really like watching the plants, the plant part of it too, and just watching the plant communities restore, but watching how the um, deer and small birds and even like turkeys and stuff have been starting to use it uh but yeah so I i've been hunting there for a couple of years when the first time i walked up there i found a shed laying right where the trail is laying there now and i kind of knew it was always topographically it's a it's like a good spot it's a, it's a high point it has roads right on the each side of it but it sits way above these different pastures and deer can just pop down to different points of the surrounding areas really easily but have never really had any like close encounters with anything there i've hunted i didn't hunt there much in the past several years and this year i made it a pretty specific goal to try to shoot a buck out there and i knew it was very possible i just didn't know exactly where it was going to be at i have one real junky muddy camp muddy trail camera that i i like to just run on different parts just to see how how deer and everything are using that place um how many acres is it total it's a hundred it's like 90 99 or something like that but it's it's real skinny it's basically just the just this skinny ridge that runs up and the 20 acres that's in this contract is the very peninsula of this point it's a pretty cool pretty unique area just because of how the because of like the soil and it's it's rocky and steep so it's there's different stuff going on out there compared to different parts of his property. It's a lot shrubbier and more open and sparse type of stuff. 
uh, the contract area specifically. Yeah, yeah, because of its because of the land history, it's just different f- from the other eighty acres. Essentially, uh, the first year I hunted in there in twenty nineteen, I did a couple hunts in there. There was like a bachelor group living on a just below that ridge, and I like bumped a buck the first year and didn't spend as much time in there. Ended up just hunting out of other places, got opportunities of different deer. But this year I spent a lot of time in October hunting a couple different spots. Um, had a couple encounters with like little bucks, I guess. And But I knew there were three or four pretty nice bucks around. And it was just like, I knew that. From your camera spot, or sign or just past history or combo? Sign sign and then the camera i had put it on this gas well road that just runs pretty much the entire length of the ridge and i could just put it there and a lot of times in october when buck activity would be picking up it, it was very evident that bucks were using the property frequently but this year i wanted to learn about more so large scale movement patterns i guess so and just like really breaking it down more so but i also knew that because yeah question like when you say they were using the area frequently i know you say you've got the one and i i mean i know of the camera it's not a real new uh, technology there but it's probably not the most reliable thing but when you say you were getting bucks frequently is this daily like I, i honestly just don't even have an expectation like daily or weekly or how's that look several times a week type of thing and uh and these are like shooter bucks yeah or just bucks in general bucks in general but i remember one time two years ago i had that camera set up on that on the gas well road which isn't which is actually not part of of that same area it's like four or five hundred yards away same ridge system and there were mornings in october where four different bucks would be going on that gas road walking down i counted on that road, I counted 30 scrapes in a in a length of uh, 400 yards, something like that, on this road. So it was like I knew they were using it. I just didn't know the exact like bedding locations, and uh, I just wanted to figure that more figure that out more this year from just spending a lot more time in there, whether it be bumping deer or whatever it was. So hunted in there quite a bit in October and felt like I was kind of in the game, but then at times I'd go out there and, and would just see like the same group of does and would like never really see any of these bigger bucks. I was just seeing like little fork bucks that are coming to these scrapes that I know in years past, there's been big bucks on them in these little windows of time. And, uh, this one little spot on this Ridge, it's like an East facing bowl sits up on the runs up to the high point of the Ridge. Um, had a can i threw a camera on a big scrape in there the past couple years and deployed from like, rather deployed yeah <laughs> i mean you gotta use I, the right terms <laughs> if you're gonna be on the podcast you gotta use the right terms <laughs> i deployed a deployed a game cam on this scrape for a couple of years and there was between like november which is i mean it's like obvious between like november 7th and the 14th right in that spot was just like super hot spot. And the one year there was the biggest buck that I knew that was around was in there for six days straight or something like that. Just standing right on that scrape. And it was like, all right, like, seems like he might the have whole, a doe. 
the whole <laughs> maybe <laughs> the, whole, the whole like local estrus cycle type thing kind of was pointing to the fact that november 9th to the 12th type thing is a pretty hot time to be right in that spot and there's always one or two groups of does that are living right on that ridge pretty cons- like very consistently so this year i hadn't i actually had only hunted on in that 20 acre unit i think once or once or twice up to that point pretty seriously i hung a saddle up in there over the one of the biggest scrapes that I knew was in there. And that's when I had just little bucks coming in and cruising in the mornings and didn't hunt it from like November 2nd and then went back into the 12th and pulled up on the evening of the 12th up to the place. It was a Northeast wind. I was, we were driving from hunting over at Larry's place in the morning. And I was just like, I'm just going to throw a hunt out there this evening. It's a, it's November 12th type of thing. Didn't really have any plans initially planned to go to the completely different side of the property and for whatever reason was just like, I don't, it's real open woods up there. And I just like, my access is going to be weird. And I didn't feel like busting through all that stuff. And I wanted to just hunt in this equip unit anyways, cause that's where I wanted to shoot one anyways, just would mean a lot more to me because of how much that spent a lot of time out there doing a lot of cool stuff. And ended up just walking there's a big opening he's got like a fire pit and mows it and opening up on top of the ridge right before the peninsula kind of starts and i walked up there there's usually a couple scrapes and got up to that point and i saw one scrape that had these had fresh doe tracks in it and it was just like i i didn't necessarily know if i was going to hunt right in that spot i was just going to check the scrapes and as soon as i saw those open with these doe tracks that are in them facing right back into this ridge and it's just like well i'm gonna i got it was two i was around two probably 132 something like that i just slipped 80 yards past that and just set up in this spot where it drops down into this little saddle and is this in that pocket where you said that historically they've been with does during that time frame yeah it's like it's like the upper side I'm, tr- I'm trying to use my hand to explain. <laughs> There's like this little saddle and then it drops down into this real thick upper east facing side of this ridge mm-hmm. and it drops down. There's a little, there's an old cattle pond, like pond. It's just a watering hole down in there. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just like real, real gnarly down there. And that's the spot where certainly bucks, I know bucks have locked down those in that spot before. So I got to the upper side of that and had a wind blowing down the ridge just dropping down to the road on one side it's only the road is 100 yards away from me and uh had a good win and just got into this pocket set up on the ground with like the way i was set up had a little bit of terrain to where it dropped and then the trail was literally two yards off to my left and then it ran down to where i could shoot to like 15 yards to the low point crossing and there's a huge scrape down in the, in the middle of that as well which I didn't even see until afterwards. Um, but sat there for a couple hours, didn't see anything, was kind of kind of losing confidence, didn't have, didn't really have a ton of confidence, but I should have had way more type of thing where it was like hindsight. It's like, yeah, this, everything was set up really well for me. But sat there for a few hours, didn't have anything going on. And I looked up at probably about four. So 
this was after time change so it got gets dark at five it was 5 42 or something with shooting light so right around four i looked up and saw a lone doe coming down the trail starting to work towards me and uh i thought she was just gonna work this trail to where she would have been walking several yards away from me and she stopped and started browsing there's a little there's an opening on this top of the opening it's not even very wooded it's actually i've got it back to it's looking more like reverted old field there's goldenrod and stuff growing in this so she starts pecking around and browsing in this stuff and eventually drops off the trail and i can just watch her 50 yards probably just browsing and i could hear something off to my left you could hear just like walking but I, I looked over my shoulder at one point and i could see a squirrel climbing up a tree too and it was just like might be a squirrel but i kept hearing it and it was just in the back of my mind but i'm watching this doe and she just kind of browses her way drops down the trail or off the trail off to like this side of me and eventually i hear what certainly was a deer at this point where it's just like something crushing up through like the real thick stuff mm -hmm. and i look up like just over that little crest past the trail and i just see like just the top of antlers this thing and uh this buck steps out the first time i see him he's already at like 25 yards probably closing towards the trail and do like just for the sake of following the uh correct terminology rule um, are you throwing nicknames out there? Are you saying, I know that deer? Or are you saying, there he is, hey, that's him? Or <laughs> Actually, none of that went through my head at that point. It was just like, I, it was the kind of thing where it's just like, I know there's big, I knew there were big ones right in that area. And it was just a matter of time before I actually got eyes on one. Mm -hmm. So you see him and you're like, oh, just, good. It's, it's, not, it's not him, but it's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> So I see one, I see this thing pop up and I'm just like, okay, big buck. And I, I drew immediately cause I thought he was just going to close. How far is he? And I'd have a shot 20 to 25 when he pops up through that. And I, I can only see like the top of his head. So I can only see antlers just moving like this as he's coming up through this stuff. And he stops beside this dead tree and it gets like real quiet and I can just barely see antler. And I'm also like still watching this doe, making sure she's not like picking me off at any point. And I'm being drawn and could like not see him, but I was waiting for him to just pop into an opening. And then it's just like silence, like nothing, nothing was happening. And it was just like, I knew he was just doing the statue type deal where he gets up into that opening and he's clearly like with this doe, but not right beside her, just like keeping tabs on her. And he pops up and just like it's just dead quiet so i get weird like when you can't see them but you know that they're there like there's no absolutely no way that the thing could have gone anywhere else it was just a real weird time for for like 30 minutes i'm sitting here nothing has happened but the last time i saw him he's 15 yards from me and uh so i'm just like <laughs> not not time. moving just like got the bow sitting I'm on, on my knees, got the bow like resting on my knee like this. Doe's still, I can, I can hear her and see her every once in a while, 50 yards away from me and that nothing's going on. And I definitely grunted super softly a few times just to like 
but I waited, I had waited a little bit because I didn't want to just hammer one right at him and just not be ready for it. I kind of was just trying to read the situation a little more. So I'd, I put the grunt tube like in my armpit with the end of it and would just like real softly grunt and like no response or anything. Didn't even hear him like stand up or like move or anything. So I started feeling kind of weird. And all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, is there any way he could have like crossed this trail and ended up like down by this doe more? But it's just like, there's absolutely no way. Like they can't, absolutely can't happen. It'd be five yards. I'd see him walk in front of me. So a little bit more time goes by and I could hear a deer down below me. It drops a little bit steeper off to like way off to my right. And I can hear something moving down past me like this. And I thought it was the doe because I hadn't seen her for a few minutes. And I thought she started moving up the ridge like this, which I thought maybe would pull him past me like this. And I, so I hear this, this thing walking and now there's something a deer walking behind me back to my right. So I have something that I know is walking back here. I know that this buck is not moved 15 yards from me or whatever, extremely close to me. And I thought maybe it was buck and doe. And I look up at one point and I see the doe pop back out onto the trail where she, where I first seen her. And I'm like, Whoa, the doe is still up there, but there's a deer back behind me still. So it's getting pretty dark at this point, 25 minutes, 20 minutes till legal light, probably maybe even less. It's like the, the whole last thing happened in a very short amount of time, but 15 minutes till last light, probably I've tried grunting a few more times. And, uh, I had even like done like little, not scraping, but just like trying That's to be stuff. like, yeah, just like hooves on the ground and finally it was getting dark enough to where it's like, I got to just like do something super aggressive. So I grunted and snort wheezed and immediately this, this deer back to my right is just like, like coming like right at me. And I was like, okay, that's a buck too. Um, no idea what he was. So it's like, maybe this thing's a shooter, but I'm not going to turn on it. Cause I know this buck that is definitely still right here is a big one. So I'm still facing this thing. And I'm like looking over my shoulder like this and this, this buck comes up to me. It's, it's real thick and stemmy. There's a bunch of dead brush and stuff around me. This thing comes up to me and is standing like eight yards away, like just looking through the brush, trying to find me. And like, as soon as I had heard, as soon as I heard that, this buck also heard that. And that was enough to be like, okay, I'm standing up. To, to him, it was like, okay, that's a real buck coming at me now. I heard, he heard the snort wheeze. He heard something like running up to him. So I'm looking over like this, and I hear this thing run up. And as soon as that happens, this buck up here does like he had he had done a couple like right before that he had done a couple like real soft like Rolls. like he was laying he was laying down is kind of what shifted. I figured out after that. You could tell he just like rolled and would do these real soft grunts. And just something like, after, like real soft, like almost, did I really hear that? Like a, yeah. Like, like you, mm. yeah. Like you hear it coming from his stomach type mm. thing where it's just like that. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, Ooh, that's... This, yeah, this thing runs up. And as soon as he gets like right up to me to where I see him, I'm looking over my shoulder and I hear that thing do like the classic grunt stand up and snort wheeze all at the same time. 
And I'm just the like, one you oh, shot. Yeah. Jeez. He, he does all that. He stands up and I like look back up like this and he, dude, he's literally like, like 10 yards from like 10, eight to 10 yards from me looking straight through me. But like that other buck is standing right behind me. So I now I have two bucks inside of 10 yards <laughs> on both sides of me like this, but I'm just like buried in this stuff and I'm not drawn. I had drawn one time before this when I had, I had seen some movement at one point and drew, but that was all. So I drew three times total, but this time there's two bucks standing here. It's, it's like five minutes from dark at this point, which saved me, which is like what saved me was the, having the darkness as cover. Um, and it's like makes it so much harder for me. Yeah, shadows and contrast gets all skewed when you're in a thick spot yeah. on the ground. And he, uh, this thing's he's looking at me and he knows that there's something right there, but he can hear this buck still circling back around me like this. And my wind's going, my wind's going like this. And this buck is back here moving like this. And this buck's up here. And like something, the wind's just like, it was thermals were pulling down at that point, but it was like thermals were pulling with what the predominant already was. So it was just like staying consistent like that. And this thing stands up and I'm, and I turn back and look at him. And I'm just like, Oh my God, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> right, right, right here. And I, he, he like took a couple steps and there was, it was like where I had seen him and then like a real thick spot. And then there was like maybe an opening right here. And he, he like steps off of the trail past that. And I just drew, drew down like this and got it up and was just pointing it through like some pretty thick stuff. But I saw this window and he stepped right into it and I had to just like shift like this. And he, he was, the shot was five, like generously five yards. And he's standing there like looking right at me and several seconds I'm holding it there. I'm just like, I don't know if I can like thread one through that. And I like shifted a couple times and got it on this opening and I could see the white chest patch and I could see like his face chest patch and then like just below it. And I put the pin right below it. And it's just, I remember just being like, he's so close. Like you got to just do it type of thing. It's like, uh, this is your opportunity. And I shot and felt confident with the shot and everything. And as soon as it hit, it was just that, like <laughs> you could hear it just hit like boom straight through him. Yeah. Like yeah. felt pretty great about it. And he, he barreled through like crazy gnarly stuff. There's like whole treetops. He's just like running through. That's always and a good like, sign too. You know, if they're yeah. just immediately just freaking out. Yeah. So he, he crashed down and he crashed. This buck ran at the same time. The one that was right behind me. So they both go like crashing down and I hear a bunch of commotion, but then I hear that other buck still, cause he was right there. And that other buck keeps running, which in my head, it's like, I felt like I definitely heard him crash, but I heard the other one run. So that's like, I'm not going to get too confident yet right now. Cause I heard another deer run off and, uh, called Ben immediately. And Ben met me out there like an hour later and we walked we didn't find Do you, any. Sorry. I got to interrupt yeah. you here. <laughs> Do you have the Snapchat saved that you sent me that just said, it was so funny because Jake and I <laughs> joked about it so much because at this time Jake and I are hunting together and we get I get the Snapchat from you and I just tell Jake like, well, Keith shot one and he's like, oh yeah, what'd he say? And I'm just like, something about like, 
white white patch super close <laughs> white patch hoping for the best so like at that I point i was really it, confused but... at your confidence level and then jake and i just kept saying hoping for the best because it just like struck us as funny in the moment it was like it one was, of your I few mean... serious like rarely a serious snapchat from keith and then it's like this is definitely serious and that's probably what made that simple line of hoping for the best pretty funny to us (laughs) i remember it just being like like i've never shot one it was weird too because he wasn't head on it was like super quartering too so he wasn't doing like this he was he was like this and facing so i saw the chest patch and i tried to put it down here where i've shot a couple bucks before and uh it's the kind of thing where it's just like, I don't know, you know, I feel like if you end up hitting too high or off to one center or whatever, it can, it can get weird. I've learned to be way more confident with the frontals because. The, Cause you've done it. I mean, you've done it yeah. more than you've done it more than the, I have or Jake has, I think. And I, the you know. three, yeah. I mean the three that I've taken, they're dead in 90 yards. of. But they're running, all really but, close. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. inside of 10. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So Ben comes. We don't find blood right off the bat. We walk twenty yards and we see like the first speck and it's just like good blood and I turn. I was kind of immediately just like I almost just want to go to where I heard all that commotion when I had called Ben. But it's just like let's follow the trail and we turn at one point and we see blood on trees and stuff and it's kind of immediately just like feeling way, way better about it. And yeah, we walk down to where it drops, literally right where it drops to the road and he's laying dead. He had rolled down to, he was literally laying to the point where we dragged him down to the road. He was like five yards from the road. It was pretty funny, but that is um, funny. we never Same found thing with arrow. that buck that I just shot in South Dakota. I don't know if I've told you that or not, but when he goes down, he's like less than three yards off the road <laughs> in between. Easy. Yeah. Between a, a public private land boundary and the road like there was like a five six yard gap between the road and the fence and it was just an odd corner of you know private that kind of came in and he just went Mm -hmm. down right in between the corner post and the road it's ridiculous it's like how do you get that lucky but anyway that's pretty nice um we never so we never found the arrow i still have not found the arrow so the shot ended up being i put it below his like just below that chest patch and i think he was so close that it ended up just being higher than i would have even anticipated it's something that i have have learned from that is when you do shoot him <laughs> like that that close it would be different if it was like 10 yards even but he was five and i think my arrow just ended up being a little bit higher like that yeah. much maybe mm-hmm. yeah probably it ended up just going square through the chest patch and it exited out the back of his neck and it just went straight through his neck. So it's like, it wasn't the, it wasn't the greatest shot for like what it could have been, but it worked extremely well. But if it would have been, like I said, left or right, and it didn't just like sever everything through there, mm-hmm. it wasn't, wouldn't have been the best. I mean, but. that's what happened when I shot that elk. It's exactly the same thing. It's like, if you look at a human neck, it's basically like you have to yeah. get inside of inside of this because mm-hmm. otherwise this is meat you mm-hmm. know but if you get in there you're not recovering from Done. it yeah that was i mean he was he was definitely expired in less than a minute i would say because it was 
as I as I was like dialing and calling Ben and like trying to talk to him, I could hear his last couple kicks down there. Man, he wasn't but, even down yet. And I had Ben on a line. <laughs> ben, he's dying right now. <laughs> oh, but that was a it was probably. I mean, it's the most like proud of shooting a deer that I've ever been, just because of how much time I've spent up there and how much I've like kind of just dreamed of that exact scenario and that exact spot type of thing, having a mature deer locked down with a doe right in the spot where I've spent countless hours just cutting stuff and kind of rehabilitating this 20 acre piece of property. And I do believe that you should tell everybody about your living situation and how you kind of lived there for a year. I did. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the summer, the first summer that I was doing that, equip project up there i was just living in that opening like right where that scrape was where the doe tracks were i had a i had my i had a tent that i didn't even stay in because i didn't like sleeping on the ground i slept slept in a hammock for i was up there for four and a half five months something like that it was awesome it was pretty i mean i have i definitely have a pretty fond connection with that piece of land it's it's it was very fulfilling to have that finally come together that was a kind of a high point so after that i i just had to reset a little bit had didn't really even hunt that much after that because it was just a i don't know a turning point or whatever yeah <laughs> I, I think one of the things that like is the coolest and what what a lot of people don't i don't know i was, I was thinking about this in general is like keeps a very much a behind the scene i mean in in front of the scenes but also behind the scenes like <laughs> character of thp has been for years and like i don't necessarily always know that people really realize how tough and just like creative (laughs) keith is and like the fact that he lived out there is like one of the things that at thp we talk about it all the time it's like oh yeah our our homeless buddy keith that just you know lived in a permanent primitive campsite essentially and that's pretty pretty sweet and i mean definitely helps you learn an area i'm sure i mean i'm i'm it's obvious from you telling the story that over time you started to recognize that hey this is gonna be the spot so when it happened Mm -hmm. i'm sure there's a part of you that's like obviously excited that it came together the way you expected but also like a confidence boost of hey i just I guessed it right. Like I was right, mm-hmm. I guess. If that if that makes any sense. Yeah. It was like always a, that at, in hunting, but it was yeah. like as I was witnessing it, it's like this is exactly what is happening up here every year type of thing that I that I guessed, but it's like now I get to actually just see the whole thing go down. I was up there on the the perfect day, you know. I'm sure I don't know if the next day if it would have even been remotely the same. I'm sure they probably would have been back in that probably would have been back in that spot but like who's to say you know type yeah. of thing so it was a never know being there on the right day and yeah everything just kind of fell into the right favor a couple hunt. a couple questions that i have that pop up number one is i don't know that you you really explained much about your setup at all you had mentioned that you had a saddle set up somewhere around at one point but you where you were on the ground for all this mm-hmm. yeah so the place i had set the saddle up there was a black oak that was down the hill probably a hundred yards where the or not even 80 100 yards that's where like that big scrape was where i've had a camera in the past and had a big one on there 
for several years. Like I knew they they cruise that. It's a real obvious bench, and I made a trail on there. There was no trail. I brought the big industrial mower back there and pushed in a trail so I can actually work out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they use that thing consistently, like they do any bench trail. Um, I had set up there several times in late October, early November. And then for this hunt, I just walked down that trail. It was extremely loose. I just walked down the trail and I knew of a spot that had a bunch of brush behind me and enough cover right in front of me. And it had like some taller grass right on the edge of the trail that if something were to walk right beside me, I could probably, I felt like I could tuck into that brush but also it had like this slight rise to it to where i was like slightly lower and i felt like i could get below anything that ended up being out in front of me like use the hill as your cover a little bit i have i took some videos too so i lay it over try to make that make sense of like what how that looked and i i crept in it was real dry real crunchy and i crept into that spot i didn't want to push too far because it was it was dry and calm so I just got to that spot, took a couple steps, and just did some real light leaf scraping. And it's the setup is still out there. You can walk out there and see my little pothole with no leaves in it. But that was one thing that, like, when that deer was close, I couldn't even. All the leaves around me were so crunchy, and I knew the thing was right beside me. That it's like any little movement that doesn't sound like something he would be like aggressive towards might just make him we- like get real weird. But I, I guess so after after I like shot and everything and even going back the next day and trying to like piece together what he was even doing pretty much a hundred percent confident that he'd walked up right to that trail and just bedded right in the middle of that trail for 30 minutes. Cause he popped up. I'd seen the antlers. And then the last thing I saw was like a tuft of grass on my side of the trail, like eight yards from me, just go like this. And then nothing from that point. So it's like, I'm pretty sure he just got to that trail, stood there for a long time, and then probably just laid down because that doe was right within sight of him. And uh, that's why he really didn't have a reason to necessarily like stand up and check anything out. He's, he's like right in that spot where he can just watch that doe and be checking out everything that's going on until a buck runs up to him and actually, you know. Do you think that he could have just assumed you were another buck laying there the whole time? Potentially, yeah. I mean, it seemed like there were probably several other satellite bucks that were, I would imagine, pestering him for several days right in that spot. So it probably wasn't anything too Too off to him. Yeah, to hear a light grunt and hear just like some movement and stuff like that. But I think that buck running up, like hearing me snort wheeze and then hearing a buck run up at him like that was enough to get him to stand up and be like, whoa. Yeah, it was probably the wildest rut story that I've had. I remember when we were doing that, like a week before that, we did that rut stories yeah. podcast together. And that would have been my story. <laughs> had that happened. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What uh, are some of your biggest takeaways as far as just overall picture? I mean, anything from habitat to, you know, the setup shot, all that stuff. What, what are your biggest takeaways? I think, I mean, from the, from the habitat side of things, I, like just doing that massive uh, large scale disturbance like that for like several years in a row and just doing this whole 
reset to like the taking the entire invasive shrub layer out, which is what the entire shrub layer was, and introducing plants that are growing on the ground, like things that are giving deer a reason to be there for a lot longer rather than just going to the security cover. Um, it's just essentially you're creating, you're taking what was previously just a bedding area that was security, like you said. Mm -hmm. You're now transitioning that to not only a bedding area, but also a food source for a longer mm -hmm. period throughout the year. If, I mean, if not truly the whole, truly the whole year. Yeah. It's just introducing that something that they didn't have within that spot that gives them a reason to be able to use it year round and throughout the day, but it still has the security cover aspect to it because there's still slash and all that stuff that's created from doing that disturbance. And then also just the way that ridge sets up being an, this isolated high point ridge, they're going to use it for that reason. Something Anyways. That, something if I could like maybe explain it in a different term too, just like something that would make, would have made sense to me before I even knew as much as I do about invasives or not. Like when we're talking about this, when we talk about the invasive plant base versus the native, if you were in there scouting or hunting, it's that place where you go into it and it's like, man, there's a lot of thick in here, but you can just tell that the deer don't always use it. Or, you know, from past experiences, maybe that like they always go in there during gun season, but otherwise, you know, they're not really in that spot. Maybe a couple of does use it as a bedding area, but it's not mm -hmm. as a, and the reason that we talk about this so much and like a lot of off season stuff coming up, I'm sure we'll talk more about the habitat stuff, but the reason we talk about this is you can really maximize your carrying capacity and ultimately that's going to bring bucks. I mean, we talk, you hear, you hear whitetail hunters talk so much about food sources, but like this is a permanent food source. While it's not a food plot, this is something that holds deer all year and you can actually really increase the carrying capacity. And I think that and, that is, is cool. And the, the usability really. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you'd literally walk through it and like, like I said, if you, if you know what it is, it's this autumn olive honeysuckle thicket where you're crashing through stuff. And when you look at the ground, it's literally bare soil. Like there's, there's nothing growing on the ground and they're not, I mean, no matter how much people tell you they're eating honeysuckle, it's like, they're only doing that if it's the only thing that exists. Like they're not sitting there going into that to like browse this wooden browse okay. of stuff in there. They're like you said, they're going in there in gun season or there's just so many deer that does are going to make their way into there at some point and live in there. But now it's, it's just a much more usable ecosystem at this point. And it's still got a long ways to go. Obviously we I have a lot of cool ideas for just reintroducing a lot of different things in there. I want to try to get some fire introduced into there in the next year, a couple of years and just bring this thing back. Cause it's just a, it's a really cool, unique, like kind of limestone based ecosystem where there's these little shrub scrubby chinkapin oaks and dogwoods and more shrubby native shrubby trees and stuff like that. But also a cool, uh, opportunity for reintroducing this old field old field reverting field habitat where there's a lot more food and stuff like that for them yeah yeah 
Any other takeaways? I, the the one thing that I was going to say is that seeing those doe tracks in the scrape, that was something like as soon as I saw that, it was – I mean, you see that every once in a while, but it was enough. It was like it's November 12th, and there's there's this big open scrape, and it looks like a doe has just, has just been walking around in here and like pretty great sign that there's probably just a hot doe that's using this ridge going right out into this spot. There's nowhere else. She's not pictures or video of that. I don't think I do. Uh, uh-uh. it might still, it might still exist up there, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that that's what I was going to ask. I, before mm-hmm. you started was what about confidence wise, you know, like as you're going into that spot, I feel like that's something that you and I both struggle with because we struggle with it when we're together. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to commit to this sign. Is this enough? And like sometimes mm-hmm. just doe tracks is enough, you know. I, I Fresh, though. That's the yeah. that's always yeah. the thing. Like any amount of fresh sign is probably good enough to like commit to if that feels like it's your best option in the moment. Just mm-hmm. commit to it. And I, I mean, we're not very good at that, bud. <laughs> yeah. And like – the way that uh ridge sets up with there being like it's surrounded by road so there's they're not like super busy roads but they're roads on both sides of them and it's like if there's not necessarily mature bucks living up there super consistently but um where was i going with that just offering that usability to that to where they have more of a reason to spend more time in there mm-hmm. and like oh i guess i was going to talk about just the confidence portion of it is like the roads have always thrown me off where i think when i was going in there it's like i could go back to this isolated section of the property where it's there's it's just away from roads and activity and i know there's been deer activity up in there but i'm going to go check for extremely fresh hot rut sign in this spot and if i see that then i can feel confident enough to hunt in this spot and feel like there might be a mature buck in there and not just the same four corn doing doing rounds in the on that ridge mm-hmm. and that was the case cool well yeah i have to go because i gotta go to a physical therapy appointment so i know if i open up a whole nother can of worms we're gonna go you know go dive Way into past. it yeah but <laughs> i guess uh for people that are listening to this, Keith has a whole bunch of like examples of exactly what he's talking about. You can watch that on our podcast channel and you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I know I enjoyed it. I'm probably biased though cuz you're my friend and I like hearing your hunting stories and I like, you know, hearing more about this over the years, you know, I've heard about this property a ton. So, it's cool to, you know, see you finally yeah. finally take out one of those big jokers (laughs) (laughs) finally pull it together (laughs) but thanks everybody for watching and listening and yeah we'll catch you on and thanks keith for you know coming on and telling your story brother telling my story appreciate it yep see you everyone